Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. The CFO role is changing rapidly, moving from cost controller to strategic visionary. And with every change comes opportunity. We are here to help you take advantage of this transition, to win at work, drive your career forwards, and lead with confidence. Join Hannah Munro, Managing Director of ITAS, a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people, and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to um, this episode of Financial Transformation Live. As usual, I am your host, Hannah Monroe, and we are live with today's session, which is all about automating your finance processes. So firstly, thank you to those that are joining us live. Do remember that comments are open. Say hello, um, ask questions, um, ask for clarification as we're going through. Um, we want this to be as interactive as possible. So, um, as usual, I'm, uh, well, actually, this time I'm using a new platform. So bear with me while we get comfortable with some of the technology that we're using. But I'm very excited. Um, so uh, to, to use this new platform, and I'm hoping that you guys will have a great experience. Um, if you haven't already, so for those of you that attended last time, I have sent a quick message with the recording from last time's um, Financial Transformation Live. So if you haven't seen that, it is available on YouTube via our website, www.itassolutions.co.uk. And on our website as well, you do, there is a link to sign up. So to receive alerts for the, for each of the Transformation Lives. So we do these events monthly. Um, um, they're obviously on different topics, but all around transformation. Um, and as usual, I'm trying to keep it non-product specific. So it's all about the frameworks and principles that go behind successful financial transformation um, in the hope that you can take these away and start using um, these frameworks in your own businesses, in your own finance teams. So the um, if you get the alerts, we'll send three emails and that's it, unless you sign up to our CFO 4.0 newsletter, which is our content um, where we you know, share content, not just ours, but um, from around the web um, that we find useful and available. But we will just use that sign up to purely send you transformation live alerts um, so that you're you're aware and you can join us each month. So that being said, let's get on with today's session. So we're going to talk about what is automation specifically in finance. Okay, we're going to talk about key things to think about before automating your systems. But so we're going to talk about um, how to go how to decide on your automation strategy because I do think sometimes automation happens by mistake and actually you there are choices that you make as you go through your automation processes that you need to make sure that you've thought about and considered as you go forwards and of course at the end we'll share our usual the useful templates and resources um, and things that you can download take away and use and of course um, my amazing team Mr Sophie Galtress will be putting links um, as we go through to anything I mentioned. Uh, bear with her. She, ha um, I Whilst I try to prep her on what I'm going to cover, sometimes she has to do some digging. Um, so she does a very good job, Sophie. Thank you so much for all of the, all of your hard work and support prepping these sessions. So, okay. So what is automation? So in finance specifically, um, you know, the official definition of automation is reducing or removing human intervention in intervention in processes. And I think this is a really important part because sometimes when we think about automation of finance, we feel like there should be absolutely no human intervention. And there are times where human intervention is needed or required to ensure that the, 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 one, the correct process follows, but also that controls are in place. So I think it's important that we talk about both reducing and also removing. So for me, they are both part of the automation journey. Um, so um, when you're thinking about your processes, um, sometimes reducing and getting 80% of um, uh, process automated but, and just leaving the remaining 20% that does need a human brain on it is can sometimes be just as or even more valuable and or, 
I'm, I would say actually more valuable. I think the word I'm looking for is more impactful than, um, and can be deployed a lot quicker than trying to get 100% of a process. So food for thought, something to consider when you're, um, when you're thinking about your automation strategy and how you move forward. So some examples of automation, you know, just to give you an example in finance could be the automated chasing of outstanding invoices. And this is a great example of that 80-20 rule, right? So if you think about a credit controller who is not currently um, using automated processes, they will spend a lot of their time sending, um, you know, sending chase emails, sending copies of invoices, um, sending statements, right? Automation um, allows you to automate those parts of the processes, the ones that don't require things. So when an invoice hits a certain date, we send um, the email, when uh, we automatically send out statements on this day of the month. So that all gets automated. So what that person then can do is spend um, that 80% that they previously spent on admin, they spend it on the value add tasks, which require human intervention, phone call, you know, calling the customer to ensure that they have received the invoice, understanding when it is due for payment, right? Um, we haven't quite got to the point yet where AI bots are phoning people up and having conversations. So that is a part of the process that requires human intervention. But what we can do is automate the rest of it so that they spend more time on that. Um, and let's be honest, we all know that a phone call to that finance team is um, likely to generate um, more impact than an email saying your invoice is due. OK, so we so again, thinking about um, even though you won't have a fully automated credit control team, um, you can automate a majority so that people that you do have are more valuable. Um, and, and also, let's uh, and some very often it can mean that they are doing the bit of the the, the role that they enjoy the most because you know nobody enjoys uh, sending out statements. It's not something you go to school and ask, yeah, career path. What am I going to do? I'm going to do admin. That's that excites me. So another example: automated bank reconciliation. Again, another case for the eighty twenty rule. So if you can automate the obvious, you know where dates match, where amounts match, where references match, then you spend your time on the ones that require logic. Yeah. And, and automating the unknown with suggestions, etc. Um, same with timesheets, right? So one of the big bear with a lot of the professional services firms we work with is chasing timesheets. And um, a, <laughs> a project manager, a, you know, team manager got very, very excited when I told him we could automate out um, timesheet reminders so that you can literally select, a, you know, see the list of people that haven't submitted the timesheet, press a button and send them all an email to say, get your, uh, get your butt into gear and, and fill in your timesheet. So again, it's all about, um, how do we make small automations can be as impactful as, um, automating a full end to end process. And I think for me, that's really key. So when you're thinking about your finance team and you're thinking about your finance processes, do think, um, both smaller and bigger. So think about your strategy, but focus on quick wins. Find small automations that will have a big impact. And that's something that we're going to talk about more as we go through today's session. I think as we come into this, then it goes, why, well, why automate, right? Because, um, and there's lots of reasons. Okay. So people say, well, it, there's a cost involved in automation. Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, you've got, to, there's a cost of not just in the purchase of software. And, and to be very clear, automation doesn't always require software. Yeah. But there's also a time cost because somebody has to set up the automation in the first place. So, um, and it has to investigate how they are going to automate. So, so why do it? Okay. So, so when you're thinking about your business case, because you should be thinking about the business case for automation, um, here are some things that you should consider. So first thing is minimizing costs. If you think about that concept of that credit controller, um, that credit controller, you know, if they're a good credit controller, they aren't necessarily a cheap resource, right? So if, or if at the moment, if 80% of their time is spent on admin and 20% of that is on chasing, you might need three or four credit controllers to do the work if you just, you know, potentially of the phoning, et cetera, if you just have one. 
Or, you know, you could actually flip it and say that my existing credit controllers don't spend enough time on the phone and therefore our cash flow is being affected, which means that we're having to pay for loans. And let's be honest, interest rates are going up. So the cost of that outstanding credit is increasing at the moment. So I need to find ways to collect um, cash faster, which means I need to make my, and let's be honest, we're all being very careful not to add additional cost into our, you know, in terms of hiring, hiring conversations are becoming more, um, are, are being, what's the word, um, reviewed more carefully. So you may not have the budget for another credit controller. So what can you do? You can make your existing credit controllers more effective. So you can minimize costs, both maximizing by both maximizing efficiency and potentially saving resource. Um, you can increase scalability. So, you know, we are going through a challenging time, but very often, and certainly the conversations I'm having, businesses are still looking to grow, right? And they know as they come through um, the current challenging times that they want to be able to accelerate and maximize and take advantage of that period. So um, if, you know, if you are looking to scale, if you are still growing um, and you're wanting to do that, in order to continue to grow, um, what you don't want to do is grow and have the same percentage of cost because that adds risk, let's be honest. Um, and we want to be able to grow whilst increasing scalability and, and very, you know, um, the reality is as well that finance tends to be the last place it's resourced. So how do we as a finance team grow with the business without necessarily having to increase headcount, particularly for non-value-add tasks? Um, the third thing is improving quality. So partic- I find this particularly when it comes to things like integrations. Integrations, uh, you know, can be classed as part of an automation um, sequence. Um, so there's very often an integration component to some of the things that we look at. Um, but when you have a somebody manually entering data between systems or getting involved in a process, there can very often be human error that comes into that. So what automation can do is reduce human error. It can also increase adherence to policies because a computer won't necessarily, unless you design or you know design the process to do so, won't necessarily adjust um, based on what they think they should do. They they have a series of logic and questions, um, and they will adhere to those. Okay, um, and you know, and if we think about the quality of people that we want to have in our finance team, the sorts of people we want to have aren't, um, and the where we want to take finance, we want to spend more time on insight, on value adds conversations with the wider business. And in order to do that, we need to get rid of some of the automation um, or the admin tasks that those people are currently doing. Um, and also it's about, you know, I, and I talk, and we'll talk about this a bit in a minute, we'll talk about risk of churn. So what I mean by churn, so there's two aspects for me for reducing risk is one, um, automation allows you to not have to worry about resource because um, your computer, your automation processes, you can turn around and say, I'm not happy here. I want to move jobs. Okay. So automation for day-to-day processes and admin administration um, uh, work is ideal because it doesn't, It you basically the business will keep functioning if you have automation in place, even if people leave, right? The second piece is that once you automate, you have less process that when somebody new comes on board, you have to teach them. Those people can then be multi-skilled, add value across multiple departments, potentially depending on how you structure the size of the organization. But because you've got so much automated, you don't have to be the risk and the exposure that you have as a finance leader is lowered. The third thing as well is that automation, in my personal opinion, the reason I really, really want or us as a as a community to start automating is because it then allows finance to be the to step into the role that the business wants them to do. And if you look at a lot of finance teams is they are still spending a huge amount of time on non-value added tasks, typing invoices into systems, typing out journals, rather than spending their time working with individual departments to understand profit margins, to um, understand where the spend is happening, to spend that time negotiating with suppliers to reduce costs. All those things that we want to spend time doing 
automation can give our teams the ability to do so. So um, getting off my soapbox. Um, so, you know, there's loads of reasons to automate. Um, and when you're putting together your business case, you should be thinking across all these different areas because a good business case for automation thinks wider than just the time it takes a person to do that role. Okay. So, so what stops us from automating? So some of, and, and, um, and I, and I have a lot of people go, yeah, yeah, we all, they'll go, yes, I want to automate, but, right? So the buts that I hear are, one, my processes are too complex to automate, okay? Um, or, um, you know, I need, you know, we need a human brain in there to decide how the process should be, okay? We talk about, um, oh, I, I, I don't, my processes, I don't, I don't actually, you know, I'm not sure what the process actually is. And that, that's a different, that opens up a whole can of worms and a different conversation. Um, oh, a computer is not smart enough to make this decision. A human is required for this process. Um, I don't have the time. I don't have the resource. I don't have the budget for automation. Um, and I, you know, um, I don't want a, I want a person to do that process because I don't trust a computer or I don't trust an automation. I'm worried about, what the result will be if I automated. And probably the most common is I don't know where to start. There's so much we need to automate our process. And we're just so busy doing the day-to-day. Okay. So if I'd be interested to know if any of you guys listening live, how how many of you have used this, these um, these reasons to not automate and how whether these are things that you have heard in your team whether um, it's things that you have said to others when they've asked. So um, if this sounds familiar, then don't worry, you're not alone, right? Lots of people that I speak to in finance are in this position. And I think for me, um, there's the, the you need to start picking apart, right? If, you, if you're taking every single box, then uh, you, we need to, we probably need a conversation first. But there's there's lots of things that we need to address as part of this. So this is why we do these sessions. Is one to get the the I'm not going to use the word excuses because I, I genuinely think that the people that are putting it forwards they they are reasons. These are the reasons that people come forwards um, to to not automate. So we need to. We need to think about each of those, right? So if we think about complexity, I agree with that, right? So one of the, the big things with automation, we'll talk about this as we go through, is you need to get, you need to, one, understand your process, but you also need to do pre-work to reduce complexity and understand scenarios. Talk about lack of clarity of processes. Absolutely. You should know your process before you start automating. We'll talk about that. Um, human required logic. And this is where I say that 80-20 rule is really important. I'm not, I don't think, um, and, and there are exceptions to this rule, but very rarely does an entire department get automated. There is often a need for human intervention at some point in the process. But what you need to, to do is to, wherever possible, understand the logic triggers and see what you can um, automate. And, and especially with our new AI capabilities that are coming through, it starts to learn. So you will spend an initial period of um, entering things as you would normally, and you sit in there going, well, why do we bother, you know, looking at this uh, this piece of kit? But actually what you'll find over time is that the AI is smart enough to understand your logic and um, to understand your corrections and starts to learn. And this is, where I, this is why AI is such an amazing tool for finance. It takes investment up front, but it learns and it develops just like a human would. So that's that's where it gets exciting. Uh, time, resource, and budget. Absolutely, it is a barrier. We're watching a podcast actually, um, and and it was a really interesting point. It was like you will always make time for the things that are a priority. So the question you need to ask yourself is, what do you need to stop so that you do have time? Budget is actually a really easy conversation because if you go back to the business case. If you understand what the value of the automation is, what it is going to save you, what it is going to bring to the organization, then you will you will have budget. Um, and, and that, for me, is really critical. And absolutely, really great comment in the chat. And keep on coming, guys. Uh, finance is stuck in a loop, 100%. So, um, you know, finance teams get into this loop. And unless you change something, you end up in a spiral. 
Yeah, because the business is growing and going, we need more, we need more, we need more. Um, you're going, but I'm running on this hamster wheel as fast, as fast, as fast as I can. And actually what you need to get off is you need to basically find ways to break the cycle. Um, and you need to just start small, do a small automation, create capacity, but don't reassign that capacity to doing day jobs. Reassign that capacity to more automation. Okay. Um, and then that is again where sometimes you do need an outsider to come in and support. Um, and you know, whether that is somebody um like myself that is very much process and um technology orientated, whether that is somebody to release your existing team to, you know, some extra support for somebody so that they can then refocus their resource on automation, that is of value as well. Um, and lack of control. I actually agree with this one in particular in that you need to make sure, and we'll talk again, talk about this later, in the processes that you understand the controls and checkpoints that you have in a process. Um, and very often what automation exposes is the lack of controls and the lack of checks in a process. Um, so we, and we, we start to think about control by exception rather than control by checking every single transaction. Um, and don't know where to start. Well, if you're in that bucket, don't worry. We are going to take you through in today's session how we get ourselves into that position. Okay. So, but if you've got anything else um, you you think is stopping you right now, put it in the chat um, um, and uh, we will address it as we go through. So what do we need to do before we automate? Um, so the first thing we need to do is understand the document processes. We need to understand the scenarios that go around those processes as well. And I will talk to you about that in particular. Um, we need to minimize complexity, right? The real enemy of um, automation is complexity because um, and, and, and it drives uh, and there is a lots of ways. We'll talk, again, we'll talk about this as we go through um, how we challenge effectively, how we um, how we get ourselves out of a position where we, we start to think about best practice. We start to think why we have the complexity. And sometimes it can mean some really difficult conversations outside of finance to drive and minimize that. But what it then allows you to do, you have to go back to your business case. Well, why are we doing this in the first place? What's the value and does the value of that complexity outweigh the value that we're looking to get? Oh, that's an interesting one. I'm thinking that's a... Um, uh, coming back to the, co you know, commenting we do. So we just had a, a comment about deciding between multiple available options. Yes. Yeah, so when it comes to automation, it's a really good point and, and kind of um, aligns with our next point here, which is about understanding the tools that you have um, to automate. So, and I, I'm not talking about saying go out and find a tool at this stage. One of the interesting conversations I have with a lot of people is they, they don't even realize that they have tools to make their processes more automated than they already are. So um, understanding the tools that you have. And for me, that's the first step. But then absolutely, we need to go out and potentially evaluate tools for automation. So I'm skipping ahead there, but great, great comment in there about um, what can stop you from automating. Um, so once we've understood what we have, what sister, what process, and what tools we have in the finance team to use for automation? How do we? We then need to prioritize. We need to focus on the areas that are going to drive the most impact. So think about low hanging fruit. Some projects will take a lot more effort and a lot more budget, but very often there are quick wins. And once you start to give people a buzz around automation, around process improvement, you start to see a really big impact. Um, we talked about tools already. So actually evaluating tools. So, and I'm going to give you some tips here, you know, evaluating tools. I've seen it done really well. It's done really badly. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about what options you have, because I think sometimes we, we don't always know what options we have on the table and you then need to make good choices. And again, that can be challenging. Um, we need to understand controls and balances that are required. How do we know what checkpoints to have within the system? How do we make sure that we are meeting those? Um, and then we need to execute. So we need to actually deliver on the automations because we can spend a lot of time talking about automation. In fact, we're all spending an hour today talking about automation, but actually executing needs to be done well and it needs to be done in a way that gets the job done and breaks the loop as we talked about earlier. Um, and there was a comment as well about with multiple systems linked to finance, 
a single point of view and knowing where to go can be puzzling. Absolutely. And and I do feel like um, we talk a lot about technology and finance. Um, and actually, I think we should talk less about technology and more about process. Um, technology is a tool. It's used to drive it. But fundamentally, if you don't understand as a finance team how your different systems fit together, how they connect, then you kind of need to go back to the drawing board. And if we go back to the understanding tools that you have to automate, you need to understand your internal infrastructure. What are its capabilities? What can it do? And how can you join the dots across all your systems? Um, So, you know, and we'll talk about philosophies and strategies around that as well as we go through So thank you guys for engaging. It's great to have comments coming through. Great to see some some real value add coming in here. So the first piece I talked about was understanding and documenting your processes. And for me, this is is where a lot of automation projects go wrong. (laughs) Um, So my first thing is, um, and and I don't know if there's any Monopoly fans on the call here today, you will recognize probably the thing. You don't pass go around automation unless you understand your processes. Um, And and it means that... um, and what I mean by that is, how, you know, the best thing and the one other thing I get really excited about is when I go to a, to do an implementation and I'm implementing, whether it's a new technology or it's a new piece of technology, um, you know, um, or a new RP, and I sit there and they go, here are my processes. I'm like, yes, brilliant. Because the first thing you need to understand is what is the process currently? And if you don't understand the current processes, um, it's very hard to drive automation. Um, so if you do nothing else um, as a finance team, then actually get your processes documented for the next three to six months, then wonderful. You don't even have to get everything documented. Um, just get the, you know, the ones that are important. And there are so many reasons to do this. Let's be honest. You know, it's about, you know, as, as a, as, you know, if you've got new people coming in, it's a great reference guide. Um, if you've got, um, uh if you if you want to do sort of process optimization it's needed it can also be really good as a finance leader to step back and go oh yeah this is not a great um this is not how i knew, thought the process would be and that i find really interesting it happens a lot once you get a process down on paper people go oh that's not what i thought the process would be or you'll have different people doing the same process in different ways so so many benefits um so much so that I actually did an entire financial transformation live on this. So please do, if you haven't already, check that out. So if we could pop in the, the process um, process mapping and process re-engineering links into, uh, into the chat, um, that would be fabulous. So that we can um, we can talk this through, that would be brilliant. Um, and so, so for me, that's is your first point. Um, so make sure that you're keep you're getting these process documentation goals into people's KPIs that you're having this, and this is your first point of call. Um, the second piece you then need to look at is the scenarios that are around those processes. And what I find fascinating when I do these process mapping uh, pieces with individuals is that. Um, what then comes out is we'll agree the core process, right? And if, again, watch the process mapping workshop, but you go straight from end to end first. You get like the most common or the thought of and the ideal process mapped out first. Then what you do is you go back and you look at all of the different points and scenarios that you might hit along the way that might create a different segue. So just think about the um, invoicing process. So well, what if they're a new customer? So then, then you go off into the new customer process. And what does that look like? What if they are a time and materials customer versus a fixed fee? And then you have different scenarios. So before, uh, and we talked about these in terms of the steps, but before you start um, going again, doing automation, not only do you need your processes mapped, but you need to understand your scenarios. And then the question that you need to go back and ask yourself is say, why do we have these scenarios? Um, and, you know, why do we have this complexity and can we reduce it? And this is the topic of this particular slide is that very often people will try and automate things that shouldn't be automated. 
They have an incredibly complex internal process that has been driven often by other areas of the business, often because it's the way they've always done it. Um, and you need to use that opportunity to simplify before you start going looking at the tools and technology. So before you even go and say, how am I going to automate this process? You need to go, should this process exist in its current form? And should it do are all of these steps necessary? And um, are all of these scenarios required? And anything you can do at this early stage to reduce the complexity of the process or to reduce the number of scenarios that you are needing for that process will pay dividends, both in terms of budget, but also in terms of resource and also in terms of the level of technology that you need. And there was a really interesting comment by Andrew about one of the biggest issues in investment. And for me, a lot of the requirement around investment is because people are trying to automate really challenging processes and complex processes. So they have to go for a a platform or solutions that are highly that have very you know good feature sets, really highly capable and scalable, um, which is great. But that comes at a cost. And also, if you think about you know. Um, automating a process for two scenarios is a lot easier and takes a lot less resource and a lot less tasks than automating a process that will have 10 or 12 different scenarios. So fundamentally, before you spend a lot of money on automation tools and, and process actually going through and doing automations, ask yourself the question, is this, is this process fit for purpose? Do I need all of the steps of the process? Do I need all of the scenarios? What could we do differently to reduce that complexity? Um, that could be a conversation with sales and go, guys, do you really need to have all of these different pricing options? You know, are they adding value? They'll go, they might go, yes. They'll say, well, can you standardize them? So rather than you just deciding different term lengths, let's give you a uh, uh, a one year, a three year, a five year, and then you know, giving them pre built options versus them just deciding to sell at whatever price and contract length that they want to. Now that's a slight exaggeration. I really hope nobody's in that scenario, but it's a it's a really good way to think about scenarios and processes because um, the more complex you make the process, the, the higher the likelihood you will need human intervention. All right. Great. So I'm hoping this is useful, guys. Please do feel free to keep putting comments in, keep asking questions, put in scenarios, right? Maybe you've hit a scenario where you're like, um, how do we address this? We need to do a whole, trans, you know, a whole transformation live on maybe addressing complexities, like how do you actually go about it? So um, let me know what's useful. Let me know what you would value um, as a team. But Great to see we've got some some great questions and conversations. And thank you, Sophie. Um, for those of you that haven't seen, if you haven't checked out our previous session on mapping out your finance processes or the re-engineering session, then please jump on that there. Okay, so what else? Ah, this is a really interesting point. So, um, uh, so very often people will say, oh, in order to automate, I need budgets. Okay. So um, you do in that you are likely to need support, but you might not need as much budget because there is a thing, there is a thing that finance teams go through and say, I need to automate this process. I need a new software. Okay. Um, and, and I the image is meant to represent grass is sometimes seen as greener on the other side. And it's not always true. So I do feel like even now, a lot of exist people do not understand the capabilities of their current system. Um, and if you, again, I did a session and I sorry, I keep referring back. There's a reason I've done sessions in different in sequence because it kind of, this is the thought process that I go through. We go through with different clients, depending what stages they're at. So, um, there is a point where you need to understand what you have. Um, so even smaller solutions, um, you know, will often have features and functionality you do not know about, 
or there might be small tools that can plug into it at a different level. You're unlikely to get real like end-to-end automation at that level. But very often there, when I speak to people, there is always something you can do. And if you go into automation, go into your process reviews, your process mapping with that view, that there will be something I can do, right? The question you've got to say is like, do I do I invest the time in small changes now? with my existing software, do I take a step back and go, actually, fundamentally, this, this, this platform is not fit for purpose and I need a, I need a different one or I need, a, I need to invest in a decent tool set to add to my existing piece. So, and I can't give you the answer because the answer depends on your current set, what you're trying to automate, budget, you know, budget and capability, plans, scalability, et cetera, right? But fundamentally, Please do not underestimate the capabilities of your current system. You might have tools and you might have options within your system to make your processes better and to automate more than you think. So um, on one of my sessions previously, I did a session on how to assess your current systems. And again, sorry, so if we can put that one in, but basically we talk about how, what is the process you go through um, to understand and one of the set um, how well your current systems are working for you. And one of those sections is about spending time with your team, with your system consultants to actually understand the capabilities. Right. So this is why I say before you go out and buy a new tool, the first thing you need to do is understand your processes. Second thing you need to do is simplify and understand your scenarios because once you do that you can then go back to your consultants and go guys right um you know i'm, I'm using 200 i'm just using that as example for someone work with right we are you know this is an area of the system where our team is spending a lot of time how can we automate this process right so that is something that you should be doing so before you go out right and there's been a lot of conversations about tools about budgets before you go out and decide how much budget you need and how much it's going to cost you, you need to understand what you've got, right? So, and, and there can be small automations. So they can be automations around selections of invoice layouts. There can be triggers and notifications around authorizations. Um, there can be, um, what else have I had? Um, ways to automatically send credit control reports out to individuals. Um, you can automate bank matching. There are lots of things that people don't know the system can do. So fundamentally, don't always think that you need a new piece of technology to drive automation or process improvement. It, it might help your chances and get you a lot further. And there's a strategy conversation about what point you invest, but you don't always need to. Okay, right. That being said, um, how do you prioritize where to automate? Okay, so... Um, we talk about um, time spent. So this is the this is the most commonly used um, way to do or to um, to do or, you know to to decide where to do. It's how much time do our team spend, and and um, it's definitely something to to think about. But I think there's other things. So thinking about the impact on the team. So a month, you know, impact on team or month end or whatever is the goal that you're trying to do. But very often, people will um, will will not understand that if they are to automate this one process, that actually it brings them up and down by five days because that is holding up everything else. So make sure you understand and think about impact of um, each of the processes that you're looking at that you're thinking about automation automating, and then. Um, um, you know, use that as part of your criteria. Volume. Yep. So obviously, if you've got a thousand transactions going through one process and 10 going through another, um, that needs to be where you, you prioritize. And don't feel like you have to, auto, like I said, you don't have to automate everything. Automate the most common scenarios. And if there's the one-off manual invoice that you have to do, then that's something you can look at. Risk as well. So are there areas where your business is at risk? So Cash flow, risk of what happens if that process goes wrong? What if you overspend? You know, that's why a lot of people invest in their purchasing process because there's an area of massive risk in that particular area. Because if people spend more than they should, that can lead to obviously going over budget that has issues. So thinking about the risk behind a certain process, what, what is the risk of it going wrong? 
Um, what is the risk of things being missed, which can be the case with invoicing? And so is that a place that we need to automate? Um, next is ease of automation. So how quickly can we um, implement automation? And so um, can we improve, like, live, can we get some quick wins, low-hanging fruit? Just getting yourself on the snowball. So if you think about it as a mountain, just getting yourself starting to automate to do some quick wins can have massive impacts. And so that's definitely something that you should consider and or think about as part of that. And of course, cost, right? Budget always comes up. You know, there might be some parts and processes or some parts of the processes that um, cost a lot less to automate. Normally, it's down to complexity, right? As I said, you know, the more you get hold of that complexity at the beginning of the automation processes, the more, the higher the likelihood that you have um, of uh, minimizing your cost, budget, and resource required. Okay. Um, if anyone's got any thoughts on any other prioritization criteria, I'd love to hear it because, but these are the fun, for me, these are the fundamentals, um, you know, um, but depending on the process, there might be some other things. And I guess maybe think, like I said, impact on team, maybe think of the impact on the organization as well. So um, when I say team, I actually mean the wider organization. So thinking about, you know, if I improve this process, will it make finance more valuable to our sales team, to our marketing team to our directors, our exec, et cetera. So ask yourself that question when you're just, you know, these are things you should consider when deciding when um, when to automate. And then we talk about options, so how to automate. So there's been some, some chat going on about automating certain systems, certain processes, um, and, and that comes down to um to tools so what tools do you actually have now the fundamentals of any system is your core erp um you know and fund that needs to be right yes yeah? so you need to have a core erp that is strong that has the capabilities and what i can sometimes find is that if that core isn't right then there's a lot of there's a lot of manual processes that feed around it because fundamentally that isn't right. So, but you also can beef up that core by having surrounding tools um, around it. So the first thing you need to think about is what capabilities my system have, my core finance system. Um, what can I do more with? Where are its weaknesses? You know, where are the gaps? Um, and where, you know, and, you know, that's the question you do. So you get, you know, is my core good enough? And if the answer is yes, it's good enough, but it's not where I need it to be, that's when we look at alternatives. Um, and this comment came up in terms of in the, the chat. So one of the, the unknown tools um, people in finance don't tend to know about is RPA. So, um, so RPA stands for Robotic Process Automation. So what it fundamentally means is that you can build um, automated processes around um, other systems. Now, the good RPA tools will have pre-built integrations and good R RPA tools do not require people to write scripts. Is my And this is a personal opinion, right? This is where I might create some controversy, but I don't feel like good RPA tools should require a developer to build out processes. Good RPA tools put automation in the hands of consultants and finance teams. They allow finance teams and consultants without deep um, development capabilities to write and customize. And the reason that is so powerful is that if you need to change something, you do not require to write a script, to write a, um, a develop, you don't need a developer to do that. You and finance are enabled. And certainly the long time aim behind RP, you know, behind investing in RPA tool, RPA tool is that actually finance takes ownership for process automation. Uh, or, you know, sometimes it can sit in IT, right? I have seen that before, but fundamentally you have internal resource that can use RPA to automate. Um, and then again, I'm going to jump on the chat here and say that my personal opinion is that you should not be writing things like VBA scripts. Um, and and because that 
that when you need to change that, that is done, that needs to be done by a developer. Now, I do feel, right, that being said, I do feel in the next 10 to 15 years, we'll have a new generation of finance coming through that have scripting and coding capabilities because it will be tortoise bog standard in school, but that is not where we are now, right? Your standard finance person, whilst, you know, if you're lucky, they have a decent knowledge of, um, of um, Excel query, you know, Excel queries and Excel formulae, but most of them do not have that that background. Um, and I think that's why I find RPA tools quite exciting because it gives um, non-coders the ability to build. So it's what we call codeless. And actually, weirdly enough, that's the name of one of my favorite RPA tools. So I do a lot. We do a lot of work with that one. Um, but there are lots of them. So um, Power Automate, which is Microsoft's um, one. Um, is out there there's, and so there's lots of so if you're looking for RPA tools um, then come and have a conversation I've actually worked with a couple I can tell you which ones I like which ones I don't and why um, but fundamentally an RPA tool gives you the ability um, to build your own or finance the ability to deal with it so if I think about an example where this is valuable so say you are doing um, you know, you're doing integration, you know, because RPA tools as well can very often be used for integration. And there's lots of like quick ones, you know, like you, um, and there's a really, there's a really fine line between sort of task tools like um, Zapier, you know, like if, if this, then this, um, versus like real, really powerful RPA tools. And there is a, there's a, which, how would I describe it? There is a hierarchy, just like there are with ERPs. You know, you have bottom end, you've got your zeros and your sage fifties, um, um, all the way up to um, you know your your intacts, your sage two hundreds at the top end. Um, um, but yes, but yeah, so you've got different levels of ERP. You have the same with RPA, right? So you need to think about what is the level that I need, what is the level I can afford. And, you know, and, and making sure that you understand interface. Interface is a really important piece with RPA, particularly if you're going to do it internally. Um, so, so RPA tools is one option. Um, second and closely linked is integration tools. So for me, integration is a really important part of finance systems working together. Um, and there are a couple of different approaches to integration Right, these two come very, very closely together. But if you, again, if you dialed on, I'm so sorry. I feel like all I'm doing is referring to other sessions, but this is why these <laughs> we. Um, I, I wish I could just cover everything in you know one massive session. But you guys, one, I don't think we turn up to an entire day session. Um, but two, um, there's a lot of information to get. So um, with integration, there's lots of ways you can approach integration. You can do direct API to API. You can use RPA tools very often or um, some RPA tools also do integration depending on what they connect with. Um, but um, fundamentally, that is something you need to make sure that you've enabled. So um, you understand, one, how you've connected your systems, but two, sometimes integration tools will have inbuilt RPA capabilities. So it's worth thinking about, Okay. And last and certainly not least is that you can get specialist third-party products. So an example of this um, is credit control, right? You can get the yay pays of the world that have inbuilt workflow tools that connect directly into your our, our ERP and will automate your end-to-end um, credit control process, right? Um, and there's actually not just them. I can name you three or four. Again, this is part of the conversation we have with our customers. Is about it's, there's no there's no one perfect tool. It's about what is right for you based on your business, your current systems, your budget, what you're looking to achieve. Um, but having specialist third party tools often brings automation in because they have the inbuilt capabilities to automate those processes. They very often have pre-built automation. So um, we've got one which, um, you know, AP, classic example, um, automatically recognizes content, but maps it to the right places, but they all do it in different ways. So, so you need to think about like, what is the type of tool that I need for, um, for, um, for, for doing this automation? 
Um, RPA tends to be more generalist. It will do lots of integration, but it doesn't tend to have stuff pre-built. Um, some of them will have recipes, but it doesn't have, whereas a third-party product tends to know that part or that area, that process really, really well and will do it to an nth degree. Yeah, so um, if I think about the order that I look at this, I, I look at ERP in my finance system. Have I got the right core, right? Because there's, you don't really want to be choosing tools to go around that core if you haven't got your core right. You just need to think about that first and go, like, do I need to change this? Because if I do, I might as well just change that first. Get as much automation out of that base as I can, and then I look at my my rest. Then you look at I. Then I tend to decide how am I approaching automation, um, and depending on what tools I've already got in, um, then I know, I know cracking name, isn't it? I love the name of it. Though technically it's changing, but that's another conversation um, for Yape. Um, but then, so then I look at. Um, um, I tend to then decide what's my strategy around automation. Um, I, I, I tend to go to specialist third-party products first, right? Because they tend to bring um, a different aspect to my ERP or finance system. So I won't try and do an expense system for an RPA tool personally because um, that doesn't really add value to, um, you know, to collecting necessarily expenses and doing it. I would look at expense software. Um, but if I wanted to automate, you know, um, if I wanted to automate out the sending of an email about expenses, I would look at an RP. I may look at an RP tool if that's the only thing I need to automate. So yeah, so I tend to. I probably should have put these options in a different order. But ERP first, my specialist team tools and third-party products that integrate, and they need to integrate well because I don't. I'm not a big fan of exports of data and then importing into another system i want a i want good integrations pre-built integrations and then i look at rpa and integration tools as like a layer to then get that next level of of automation so that's how i approach it um and how i think about it um but again you know this is this is my my view of automation based on my experience so okay um so um, <laughs> with technology as well, right? So we've had a lot of conversations about technology already, and and I was I was trying not to, so that's why I put specific slides in for particular tech for technology. But don't get distracted with the big shiny toy in the technology shop. So when you're going out to look at tools, make sure you know what you are looking for, and that's why that's why this is at the end of the process cycle, right? So I'm actually going to skip back to where we started, which is what do we need to do before we get to automation, right? Evaluating tools is number six on the list. It is not, it's not even in the top three, right? If you haven't done all of those processes before, don't be looking at evaluating tools for automation, Right, because you need because it's so easy to get distracted because it won't just do what you're looking to do, it will often do a lot more, right? But you might not be ready in maturity level when in your processes, in your business, in your finance team for all of that shiny stuff. Right. So absolutely give allow your tools that you're looking at to give you inspiration and tech, give you blue sky thinking. But make sure you're going to them with a clear idea of what problem you are looking to solve and don't get distracted. Um, and I'm the same, right? I love technology. It's why I do what I do, because transformation and process and people, you know, we need technology to, to drive automation in finance. But I think sometimes we let the technology lead automation. Um, which as a, um, a sage business partner and as a transformation consultant, you think, well, hang on a second. But I, I genuinely think that it should be, it's part of the process, but it should not be necessarily leading the process. Some people use it as a catalyst, which I think is fair and fine, you know, but don't, don't get distracted when you're identifying technology and tools. Make sure you know and you understand what is the problem you're looking to solve and what the ROI of that problem is. Brilliant. 
And then we get on to the next part of the process, um, which is control. So when you're thinking about your processes and what you want to automate, decide what are the controls, the checks and balances that you have in place. Make sure you understand like what are the what are the ways you're going to find out if this automation has gone wrong? Because automation does go wrong, yeah. If it's not tested thoroughly, if you're not, you don't have checks and balances because it it should be touchless. It should not require human intervention um, on the part, but it, um, it does. So, um, so do think about how are you going to monitor and but try and do it on an exception basis. So rather than reviewing every transaction, review the outputs. Do random checks. Make sure you've got dashboards and reports that will give you summary information to allow you to reconcile and make sure that whatever is going through is correct. Make sure you've thought about how you are going to handle errors. So if something doesn't happen, will you get an alert to say it has not triggered? So think about your controls, your checks, and your balances as part of this. Now, I've just seen... um, um, a few comments. So I'm just going to, I might actually put some um, response comments separately, but um, RPA, just for anyone that didn't catch it, is robotic process automation. Okay. That's is a really fancy word for workflow automation. Okay. Um, which I maybe I need to start that finance workflow automation rather than all this lovely acronyms that we have coming through in finance. Okay. So controls, really important. Think about checks and balances, because if you're going to let the robots do the process for you, you need to make sure they're doing a good job. Okay, wonderful. Um, Okay, and then execution. (laughs) Right, so how are we going to approach implementing um, automation? Um, and, and, And a lot of the biggest... So sometimes I get called in for a conversation because things haven't quite gone to plan, okay? Um, And where I see that is that uh, very often people are trying to do too much at once. They're trying to change everything. They've not thought about their overall strategy. You know, what is our strategy for systems? What is our strategy for technology? Um, You know, we talked about those different buckets and types of technology, but they've not thought about their overall strategy. And then they've not planned how they are going to get where they need to be in a way that works with the current capabilities and capacity of the existing users and systems, right? So the best people, and I, lo- and I love it when people, we were talking about this, say, well, what does that mean in terms of resource that we need internally, right? Um, and there's lots of ways that you can resource up and you can plan out and, um, you know, deliver on resource. Um, But it is um, fundamentally, you need to not try and do everything at once. You know, big bang approaches, one, they tend to not go well. The clue is in the name, big bang. Um, And two, they add a huge amount of risk to any kind of project because you're trying to do a a lot at once. So the, the risk assessment is a lot higher. And thirdly, they tend to take a lot longer. So wherever possible, and there are exceptions to this, I try to take a walk, jog, run approach. I want to create the snowball running down the hill. So I will pick a piece of the puzzle. I I want to know what the end puzzle looks like. I need to have the picture of the puzzle in my head. But just like if I was doing a puzzle at home at Christmas, which is my thing, I will do the outside first. So I will get my my edge pieces and I will understand what those edge pieces look like. And then I will start doing sections within that um, that puzzle. And the same goes for your automation strategy. You need to decide on what, what does my current landscape look like? What does my current processes look like? What do I want them to go to? Where, where do I want to end up? And then you start to pick out pieces of your automation strategy and start to implement it. So, for instance, you might decide, actually, um, I am going to implement an expense solution. Wonderful. I'm going to go out. I'm going to evaluate and put that in. That is going to save this amount of time. It's going to create capacity. And then I'm going to use that capacity to then do a review of our credit control processes. 
boom, you've created capacity. I'm not trying to fill that capacity with day jobs, you know, giving people more responsibilities in terms of, you know, we're going to get rid of that person. I'm using that capacity to then drive it. And so you get your expense in. Okay, right. Now we're on to AP. That's going to work there. And sometimes these things can work in tandem. So they're going along at the same time. I try not to have lots of things going live at the same time. You want to have that mid. But I want to know where I'm going to end up. And I'm going to, I'm really clear on how I'm going to get there. Okay. And again, um, I would love, I'm ha- I think maybe and we need to have a think about how we're going to do that. Um, um, you know, how we how we dig more into the execution phase. But I'm really hoping today is give you a good idea of how to approach, how to think about automation within your finance team. So, okay. And, and I, this is a big thing, right? For me, automation is a philosophy. It's not a project. So once you start to get the ball rolling with automation, once you start to implement great tools, the reality is those tools will be constantly updating. And if you're not very careful, what you can end up is just getting um, stuck and you go, oh, I've done my automation on credit control. That's it. I'm done. You're not done. You need to make sure that you have a philosophy and, 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 and not you personally, your team has a philosophy around continuous improvement, agility. And you'll hear this word t- being talked about a lot in finance at the moment. Um, and I think continuous improvement should be as well on that piece. For me, they go hand in hand. Um, you need to build and embed process and automation skills into your finance team. You can get away with having your finance team um, using consultants for the first couple of waves of automation and to support your team. But at some point, your team needs to take ownership for their own processes, for understanding and getting comfortable with their technology, and they need to take it forwards. Um, Make sure you have regular process reviews. So so for those that um, haven't got month-end, you know, regular month-end reviews um, in place, you should have those. And make sure that you have an ongoing budget um, set aside in both in terms of time, resource, but also money as well to for automation, you know, ongoing automation and process reviews. Um, and it's a great way to build into people's KPIs and the, as skill development points as well. So, um, so top tips, focus on the 80%, not the 20%. Test, test and roll out in small junks chunks and check again. Make sure that your process reviews and improvement suggestions are part of your monthly conversations. Focus on flexibility and agility wherever possible when it comes to processes. Don't get yourself into a corner and make sure you have understood your processes and scenarios before you start looking at technology. So I'm hoping we have um, given you guys some great insight. I know some people have dashed because I am chatting on a bit longer than I should. Um, my contact information is here. So if there's anything on today's call that you want to have a conversation about, my contact information is up there or DM me. Happy to answer any questions. Happy to jump on a call and offer advice wherever I can. Um, send through some specific scenarios or difficult questions. I'm always, I'm always interested because I use a lot of the conversations I have with customers and prospects to drive a lot of these sessions. So I'm more, um, more, um, more, what's the word? More, I, I use it as fuel material inspiration. So please do reach out. If I, if I personally can't help, I often know somebody that can. So, um, I'm more than happy to help people. Um, we've got our next session on building a transformation plan just in time. Um, for those that listen to the podcast as well, it will be released in January. So you get a sneak peek if you join our December session. Um, but we're going to talk about um, the 12-month transformation plan. Um, some quick wins. So um, Sophie's been fabulous, putting loads of links in the chat and in the comments. Thank you again, Sophie. You're an absolute star. Um, but for those that are interested, we are doing, um, we have the previous recording of our Getting Started with Finance Process Mapping session. Um, for those that are more like to read versus watch, we've got a guide on getting started with process mapping. Um, we are going to be doing um, a webinar, Driving Automation in Sage with Codeless RPA. It's a platform we work with a lot. There's quite a, there's a couple of platforms we work with, but that's one of them. Um, and there is actually an intact automation webinar as well that we have that's, um, that you can download. And again, Sophie, if you can pop that in the 
dig that one out and pop the link in. That would be um, that would be fabulous. Um, thank you guys. Um, that's all from me today. I hope it's been um, um, useful. Um, if you want to share this, so very much into building a community. So if you want to share this with others, if you want to rewatch the session, um, one you can join. Um, go onto the website onto our website www.itassolutions.co.uk. It's at the bottom of this, all the slides, um, and go to resources. Um, Financial Transformation Live, um, and you will find a link to get um, signed up to these sessions and get the alerts. You will also get the recordings afterwards. Um, so, it, And this session will be available on YouTube, on LinkedIn. It'll be embedded into those web page after the session. It takes us a few days to get everything put down. Um, um, and if you're not already following us on LinkedIn, please do find us. You can just search for ITAS Sage and you will find us on LinkedIn. We share loads of content. Financial Transformation Live is just one of the sessions we do and that we share. So I really hope this has been useful. Please, you know, please do um, leave us um, leave us comments. Um, please do share this with somebody. Tell, tell a couple of people about this session if you found it useful, because that is one of the biggest ways that we get the message out there and start impacting our finance community. So thank you so much, guys. Um, if you have any questions, follow up, send me a message. More than happy to, to have a conversation. It has been brilliant to speak to you all. Thank you all for your engagement. And we'll see you in a month's time. Take care, guys. Speak to you soon.